Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and today I'm going to look at the relationship between food shortages and the outbreak of the Russian Revolution. Now it's no secret to anybody that um, revolutions are far more likely to occur in times of intense material hardship and particularly when uh, there is food insecurity. You only need to look at the French Revolution, uh, the Chinese Revolution in 1911, and the uh, overthrow of the Kaiser, the German Revolution in 1918, uh, to, to see this. However, the, the food system in Russia is more complicated than that. And the, uh, we, we need to kind of get beyond the idea that there was simply no food in Russia. That's not the case. Russia... Um, contrary to most of what has been said, was actually uh, becoming far more food secure. Uh, even during the First World War, it was uh, developing as an industrial power in the years before the First World War, and during the war had managed to reorganise its economy successfully to actually produce war materials. So, the the culprit here, as we shall see, isn't so much the economy, it's not so much um, a chaotic society, it's the autocracy. It is the means of governing and managing uh, Russia's uh, resources and population. So, today I'm going to be looking at the first volume of Stephen Kotkin's three-part biography of Stalin. The good thing about this book, and I urge everyone to get it, not just if you're interested in Stalin, but interested not even in Russia, but a kind of, he's written essentially a world history that revolves around Stalin. This is a, a history of the 19th and 20th century that kind of uses Stalin as a means of, of, of examining that, particularly, obviously, it, it's Russia-focused. But it is uh, an excellent book, and, and Stephen Kotkin is one of the most interesting scholars 
on Russia, uh, like the, the very much admired uh, Sheila Fitzpatrick, who takes kind of uh, contemporary and easy uh, fictions about Russia and then turns them on their heads, often. So let's dive in. So one of the points that um, Stephen Kotkin makes is that revolution was no surprise. It, it came as almost no surprise to Russia's secret police, the Okhrana. Um, throughout 1916 and 1917, nearly every branch of the Okhrana was warning of revolution, saying uh, it was coming, uh, as well as mass anti-Jewish action, um, the periodic bouts of uh, anti-Semitic violence that um, were had been synonymous in Russia in the 19th century, the, uh, the, the, the pogroms. Most of the revolutionary leadership was not in Russia, um, Lenin, Trotsky, uh, Viktor Chernov, Julius Martov, um, all these people were in exile, um, and people such as Stalin himself and Zinoviev and Bukharin were in uh, internal exile uh, in places like such as um, Siberia. And the events of the February Revolution, which we'll look at in a moment, which began with uh, mass demonstrations about food shortages, uh, were not the first protests that year. Uh, on the 12th anniversary of the Bloody Sunday Massacre of 1905, for example, uh, on January the 9th, 1917, 170,000 workers um, went on strike and filled the streets of Petrograd, um, demanding an end to the government and uh, demanding the end to the war. Um, however, nothing came of it on this particular occasion. Uh, there were uh, arrests, but the crowds dispersed. Um, on February the 14th, uh, a, four, a week before the uh, beginnings of the first demonstrations of the February Revolution, 90,000 workers uh, went on strike, uh, which forced the police to make uh, mass arrests. So it was clear to the authorities, well, clear to the authorities uh, in Petrograd, that a tense revolutionary situation um, existed. And um, the uh, problem for the authorities that begins on the 22nd of uh, February is that there is uh, an end to the cold spell. There's a brief uh, thaw uh, and um, sunshine, which makes it far more likely that many more people are going to wind out, wind up on the streets. Now, we're going to come back to that in a moment and look at some of the events of the February Revolution. But um, let's just look at um, some of the, these issues around food, because as we will find, as we will see, um, food scarcity is a key driver of people's behaviours on the 22nd of, of February. Russia, before the war, had accounted for 42% of global wheat exports. Uh, Germany and Great Britain had both been fed by Russian wheat, and it was uh, the way in which Russia financed itself was a, as a grain exporter. Um, it, Russia's infrastructure, from railways to grain silos to uh, ports and docks and harbours, was, was built with this process in mind. It was built 
to take Russia and take grain from central Russia overseas. It was the war that acted as a huge disruption to this um, trade, and uh, it was hoped that the outcome of this obviously un, uh, unwelcome disruption would at least be that domestic grain consumption, domestic uh, food consumption, uh, would increase. The peasants, obviously, um, as they moved um, from their towns and cities to um, uh, fight at the front, um, and as territory was uh, lost um, by uh, German uh, invasion, um, their yield declined, but not significantly. And this tends to show that, um, firstly, a great deal of the uh, land that was being tilled was being tilled very inefficiently uh, anyway. Uh, and also, much of that land was being tilled sufficiently far enough into the interior as to be um, far away from the threat of invasion. Um, there was a, a flow of peasants from uh, even those that didn't go to fight from the villages to the, the, the towns and cities. But the great body blow to Russia's food economy comes not from the enemy, but from the Russian army itself. Half of all Russia, Russia's sellable grain in 1916 was consumed by the Russian army. Um, the, we have to clarify that slightly. Half of it was allocated to the Russian army. How much of it was finally consumed by the Russian army is uh, questionable. A lot of it didn't make it to the front. A lot of it winds up uh, rotting in grain uh, barns uh, and uh, in railway sheds because the um, system of transportation that was had previously existed had existed for this other purpose that we mentioned of um, exports to um, foreign um, markets such as uh, Western Europe uh, and the uh, re-calibration um, of the railway system to get grain to uh, the front was very inefficient and there was a very poor bureaucratic system that made it likely that foods would simply be lost. So the peasants didn't get to eat it, the army never consumed it, and it never got sold. It just rots somewhere within Russia. But an even bigger factor than this was the fixed grain prices um, that had been uh, established by the government grain monopoly and the um, and these had been fixed far too low to make it attractive for the peasants for the peasants to sell their grain to the state. At the same time, um, the pressure of uh, war on the economy had led to inflation in manufactured goods, meaning that the things that the peasants would traditionally buy in return had become extremely expensive. So. Um, the the hoarding that the Bolsheviks mercilessly cracked down on uh, after 1918 in their uh, largely misguided policy of war communism, caused far, which causes them far more harm than good, um, begins that kind of hoarding begins far earlier. It begins uh, in 1915 to 1916. 
the uh, middlemen and uh, grain traders who went back and forth between the countryside and the towns and cities, having kind of bullied and harassed out of existence by uh, wartime uh, state food controls. Uh, and this was a, a vital part of the kind of the, the food ecosystem in Russia. These were um, characters often maligned, but far more useful than um, they were um, presented to be, who, without them, the food system kind of starts to grind to a halt. So domestic grain markets began to break down. And here we see is, is what economists would refer to as a kind of market failure, where buyers and sellers are no longer able to adequately communicate with one another and price signals uh, become completely confused. Um, so that whilst there was um, an abundance of grain in Russia, there was actually more grain in Russia because of the end of exporting than there would have normally have been. Uh, there, there was still an inability to get grain shipments to um, the cities uh, and from largely in the north, from the grain-producing regions in the south. And the food that arrives eventually does not reach one-sixth of the lowest daily consumption levels. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So what can we learn from that already? Um, it's got to do with uh, a, a, an unwieldy system of, uh, of government, poor... Um, leadership from above and an inability to adapt to the pressures of war. Now, all countries in the all combatants in the First World War have to encounter these intense pressures on their economies and there these intense pressures really on the social contract, the, the unspoken agreement between uh, ruled and rulers that uh, they all um, buy into the same way of, of doing things. If you take the example of Great Britain, by 1916, David Lloyd George, as the Minister for Munitions, 
brings about a kind of an almost institutional revolution in the way the country is managed, the way the country is fed, the way the country uh, works, uh, and the way that the, the country galvanises all its efforts to win the war, when he's referred to as the man who won the war, is a, a fairly accurate comment. But it has less to do with Lloyd George and more to do with the uh, existing structures of government that allow for this kind of flexibility that a liberal democratic state, uh, relatively democratic state, was able to um, adapt and galvanise itself um, and make the changes, and that the, the state was allowed to dramatically expand with the expectation that it would contract during peacetime. Whether or, this, whether or not in Britain that has ever happened is a, a matter for uh, another time. Arguably, they, uh, the British state continued to grow throughout the 20th century. In the case of um, Russia, the government had attempted to not introduce rationing, even though there were um, conditions of hunger, if not starvation, um, on the horizon. Um, they believed, uh, the government in Petrograd believed that uh, announcing rationing um, would actually convince people that there would be um, supplies, if not scarce ones, um, and that this would lead to further disappointment, that it would actually raise expectations. Um, and this, give, again, gives you an indication of how fearful the government was about food insecurity. And the fact that the government was thinking to themselves let's not introduce rationing because people might think they're going to get fed, also shows you how out of control the food situation had become and how panicked the government had, had become uh, about the uh, possibility of um, uh, food breakdown. Um, the government um, announces on February the 19th that rationing would begin on the 1st of March. Um, this doesn't calm the situation. It, in fact, leads to um, panic buying and looting in Petrograd uh, and in other cities. Uh, bakery windows are smashed in. Um, bakery um, Bakeries are real kind of focal points in uh, the uh, cities of Russia, as so much of the Russian diet at this point is based on grain. Um, people working in bakeries, millers, um, people working in food haulage were constantly stealing uh, flour in order to store it, wait for prices to rise and to sell it uh, speculatively uh, later on. Petrograd, um, uh, Petrograd residents uh, learned through rumour that bakeries um, were only going to remain open for a few hours each day uh, and that white bread um, was going to be sold um, at the most high-priced uh, restaurants uh, across the city, so that uh, the, the kind of the simmering resentment that people were developing towards the autocracy, towards the royal family, and towards Russia's elite classes really crystallizes itself in this experience of hunger. Um, Stephen Kotkin writes, an Akrana agent surmised that the underground revolutionary parties are preparing a revolution, but a revolution, if it takes place, will be spontaneous, 
quite likely a hunger riot. And it's extraordinarily prescient because that is indeed uh, what happens with the, um, the February Revolution. Lenin is completely taken by surprise. Trotsky's in New York. Um, Stalin is in exile. Um, uh, the, most of the Bolsheviks are in Switzerland. They don't know it's going to happen. They've not got anything in place. And Lenin is in a desperate rush to get back to Russia as, as quickly as possible. Because it happens spontaneously. What happens is the ability of the government to um, continue to uh, maintain some kind of contract with the population completely breaks down because of hunger and because of the fear of future uh, increased hunger. Not just um, it, the, the bread riots aren't just about uh, people being hungry on the day, it's about the fear that there's going to be nothing to eat uh, fairly soon. Four days after that, a Kroner agent had uh, written his assessment of uh, the revolution. Uh, it began with um, the women of Petrograd taking to the streets, the wives of the Putilov steel workers taking to the streets and protesting against uh, poor supplies of food. Uh, and within a week, the Tsar's government was gone. However... It's important to look at the uh, the army uh, as well. Um, the army led by General Brusilov um, were, had no more than 10 days' supply of food. Um, and Brusilov knew full well that if in that 10-day period the food ran out completely, um, not only was Russia's war over, there would be mutinies throughout the Russian army, but... Also, Russia as a state, facing Germany, facing internal crisis, uh, would be um, finished as uh, people like he knew it. He absolutely blamed the autocracy, and he knew for a fact that, along with the, um, the many of the other generals, that uh, Russia could only survive without Tsar Nicholas II. In this climate, um, and this is following the uh, murder of Grigory Rasputin, the um, uh, Siberian peasant monk who had been the king's closest confidant in December 1916. In this climate, um, the army, um, the, the, the top brass of the army, uh, along with some of the Tsar's um, cousins, uh, had been considering removing him from power. Stephen Kotkin writes, Desperate high-level plots to unseat the Tsar proliferated, even among the Romanov Grand Dukes. Already in late 1916, Alexander Guchkov, former president of the Duma, in cahoots with the deputy Duma president, initiated discussions with the high command to somehow force out Nicholas II in favour of Alexei, the, uh, the Tsar's son, under the regency of Grand Duke Mikhail Alexandrovich, um, and appoint a government answerable to the Duma. One of Guchkov's ideas involved capturing the Tsar's train. In a parallel plot, General Alexeyev, chief of staff, discussed with Prince George Lvov, arresting Alexandra, and when Nicholas objected, forcing him to advocate in favour of Grand Duke Nikolasha. Um, still more seriously, in January 1917, before the food demonstrations and strikes, Lieutenant General Alexander Krymov 
highly decorated for valour, requested a private meeting with uh, Duma President Mikhail Rodzianko, as well as selected deputies, and told them, The feeling in the army is such that all will greet with joy the news of a coup d'etat. It has come, uh, it has to come, we will support you. It can never be known, of course, whether one of the palace coup schemes against Nicholas would have come to fruition, even if the workers had not gone on strike. But with the masses having seized the capital streets, elites seized the opportunity to abandon the autocrat. And abandon him they do, because the February Revolution finally succeeds when the generals conclude that they cannot risk sending their own troops into Petrograd. They cannot risk sending them there because they believe that they will, as the mutinying soldiers in Petrograd have already done, go over to the side of the revolution. It is the generals who uh, conclude that the Tsar's position is untenable and all advise, indeed insist, that he step down. It's the generals who believe that if the war is properly organised and managed, it can be won. And it is the generals who believe that unless the Tsar goes, then um, all manner of revolutionary forces will be unleashed in Russia if they're not careful. So there, here we have a, a, an interesting story that is really a kind of a story of um, economic history, how uh, the inability of a state to economically function during periods of extreme crisis leads to um, dramatic revolutionary change, but also how those who are in power at the time choose to respond to these challenges. And in the case of the generals, there was only loyalty there in as much as they had faith in the Tsar to keep the entire system going. And when that faith comes to an end, they abandon him um, as quickly as they possibly can do. Anyway, I hope you found that useful and interesting, and I will catch you on the next podcast. I'll probably put one out later today. Uh, if you can support us on Patreon, that would be greatly, uh, greatly um, uh, received. Uh, and I will speak to you all uh, about something interesting in the not too distant future. All the best. Bye bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.